everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am Ellie Kniff. I'm Hannah Scambalone. And this is another episode of Not Another New Girl Podcast. There ended up being a lot of anothers in our intro. I'm I'm sorry for that. <laughs> it occurred to me when I thought of the name. <laughs> it sounds incredible. No other podcast sounds as good as ours. In the whole history, and that's the truth. Ever. <laughs> well, we want to start off today by shouting out our friends um, and our March Madness bracket, which Hannah and I both have some bragging rights now. Should I go in reverse order? I mean, I think the listeners want to be in suspense. Okay, cool, cool, so, cool. Uh, yes, let's... Well, well first we got to announce, you know, who all was in, in the bracket. Okay. Yes. So it was me, Hannah, Henry, Micah, Sam, Kyle, and Aaron. And drumroll, please. In seventh place, Aaron Crick. Congratulations sorry. to him. Oh, <laughs> sorry. You came in last place, Aaron. It's okay, buddy. Um, in sixth place, Mr. Kyle Parker Daniels. He's in the other room with headphones on, but he'll hear this in a week, bitch. <laughs> in fifth place, a young one, Henry Eden. Fifth place. In fourth place, we have our good friend Micah Price, whose bracket was called Micah's Accurate Bracket, and guess what? Wasn't accurate. Not not so accurate, my friend. In third place, yours truly. Ellie Kniff. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> yeah, bitches. In second place, the one and only Hannah Scambalone. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Random choice triumphs again. <laughs> and in first place. Sam Martini! The indomitable Sam Martini, who could not be caught. <laughs> yeah, he won by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us were all pretty uh, pretty low scoring, but uh, yeah. Just wanted everyone to know the results of that particular bracket. Mm-hmm. Baby's first March Madness. <laughs> Always a good time. Well, how have you been, Hannah? <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, good. Uh, I'm trying not to make my life an episode of this show actively, day by day, and it's kind of a struggle. <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't have the comfort of uh, three silly roommates to uh, alleviate some of the stresses, but luckily we have this show to do that for us. <laughs> you have two silly roommates. One is Kyle and one is Katara. Yes, they're silly. <laughs> silly boys. How about you, Ellie? How was your week? I'm doing really well. I feel like this is a good um, good time to apologize to everyone for the delay with last week's episode because my life did become an episode of this show for a couple of weeks and I had to rein it back in and then um, <laughs> get my work done. So we're back on now. We're back on the grind, back on track. How were Pat and Kath? Did they enjoy their visit? Oh, they did. Pat and Kath love Portland. I'm so glad. Yeah, we went to the coast for a couple of days. It was beautiful. Good time was Good had by all. Well, Hannah, to kick us off today, I want to know what the 
best Valentine's Day you've ever had is or was? Well, two come to mind. I guess the best Valentine's Day I ever had would be the first one I spent with Kyle back in 2016. And pretty much all that happened was it like snowed a lot that day. Um, Those of you who were freshmen at Xavier the same year at me will remember that was like when like the university closed for a snow day. It was the weekend of Valentine's Day and like that night was when it started snowing a whole bunch. So we just ended up like... I don't know, eating pasta and watching Django Unchained. So, it, I don't know. It, it always, like, is a, is a bright spot in my memory when I look back at it. So, not super eventful, but a good Valentine's Day. Yeah, um, kind of similar. Mine was also my freshman year. I don't usually have a Valentine, truth be told. And this year, Micah refused to be my Valentine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. He sent me a picture of Michael Jordan in shorts and said that he looked better than me and I was like I literally can't argue like you're so right so I was a little bit devastated this Valentine's Day but uh, (laughs) um I yeah probably my favorite was also my freshman year um I was dating someone we hadn't been dating for a very long time and we were like oh like should we do anything and we like just like stayed in and ate ice cream and watched Aziz Ansari stand up and it was really fun just always those little moments. Not these big, eventful, um, five-part journeys like happened to these these guys this night. Yeah, God. So let's talk episode thirteen, Valentine's Day. Um, what I want to do with this is go person by person, talk about their absurd situation, and then talk about whether or not we relate. All right, sounds good. <laughs> I think it's a good way to break this down because there's a lot <laughs> happening in this episode. Yeah, I was taking notes and they were just like all exposition and I was like, oh, I think I should just break it down like this. Um, okay, so Jess <laughs> is going out tonight, trying to have a one night stand, is trying so hard, but everything keeps going wrong. The guy is just a fucking idiot. <laughs> He's like, do you want to watch Planet of the Apes? And they start watching it. <laughs> then Schmidt is still there. Oh, God, what else? Oh, his girlfriend, his ex, comes home because they can't afford to move out. So what I want to know is, have you ever been the Jess in a situation where you are trying to have sex with someone, but there's just so much happening? Um, there was this time in high school. (laughs) It was actually after high school. I was, like, this, this summer before um coming to college and I went to this ha- this this like house party at this person's lake house which was my first mistake this was with Jen um who's listening for the first time on this episode so hi Jen hope you remember this um <laughs> and there was this guy there that I had like had a crush on since like seventh grade so I was like oh well maybe like I don't know like maybe something will happen like whatever like we started drinking or whatever and then he ends up like It wasn't even that, like, just a bunch of stuff happened. It was just that, like, a lot of horrible decisions were made. Like, people tried to go take the boat out on the lake in the middle of the night after uh, hours of drinking. And the the part that did it for me was he had his arm around me on the couch. And he, like, was, like, holding part of my chest with, like, a claw. (laughs) 
No. <laughs> and me and Jen have since referred to this as the Knight of the Claw Arm. Yeah, it was that bad and that noticeable that other people were coming up to me at the party later and they were like, hey, are you okay? Like, do you want to leave? <laughs> and it was a good thing that I did end up leaving because I guess uh, things turned even nastier after we were gone that night. So I think that's the only time that anything like that's ever happened to me. The Knight of Claw Arm. <laughs> God, there's so much I have to leave out because this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I'm trying to come up with an, a way to edit my version um, because I know that my brother listens to this. <laughs> He's going to be like, no, I don't want to hear about that. Um, but I do remember, well, you remember our old college house. Um, I've talked about it oh, several yeah. times, but one time, one of the many times that a bird got into the house, I was like about to go on a date when I, I, like, woke up from a nap to, like, the sound of, like, something happening outside my bedroom door, and it was, like, a bird <laughs> had gotten in the house. There was a bird loose in the house, and, like, I was the only one home, and one of my roommates was, like, yeah, I, th- I think I heard a bird earlier when I was home, but I just, like, didn't check, and I was, like, no, um, I just, like, gotta, like, hurry up and go. So I left, and I, like, couldn't find the bird. I had, like, looked all over the house, and then I was, like, texting the group chat, and I was like, guys, I can't. Like, I have a date. I have to leave. And so I'm leaving, and Emmy, our college roommate Emmy's boyfriend, like, she sent him to come help me with the bird, but I had to go. So I was like, just go in. You know the code. Like, just, like, try to find it. I don't know. And so he like texted me a little bit later and was like oh I just like shut all the doors in the house and like everything should be fine like wherever it is it's trapped there so it's fine I was like cool (laughs) and then I um I come back from my date with the person that I went on a date with and um I go in the bathroom and like you know like the toad of the evening is that something is going to happen (laughs) and um I go in the bathroom And I'm peeing, and all of a sudden I hear, like, a little, like, shuffle, shuffle on the side by the toilet. And I was like, hmm? And I look over, and I see two little birdie feet. Like, like, just all I could see was the two little birdie feet. And I scream, and I run, and I shut the door. And I was like, there's a bird in there, there's a bird in there. And um, this dude was like, I'm also scared of bird. I don't want to deal with it. And so we were like, ah, okay. And we... We still had sex. <laughs> but what if the bird saw? <laughs> the bird was trapped in the bathroom. Oh, good. <laughs> Protect yeah. its little... It's innocent. <sighs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> that house was... I know we've we've said it again and again, but my God. <laughs> walking <laughs> health code violation. <laughs> okay. So then Schmidt is... Well, he's trying to, like... Beyond Jess's level, having a one-night stand. But he ends up third-wheeling with Jess and the taco guy. (laughs) So what I want to know is, have you ever had to, like, be there when you knew that two people were trying to hook up? Oh, yes. Here's my story. In high school, I don't remember how old I was. The two people that I was hanging out with, though, were seniors. And... One was a really good friend of mine, and she was like, oh, I'm trying to hook up with this guy, and, like, they had been friends for years, and, like, they kind of had a back-and-forth thing. (laughs) The guy was, like, does, like, the 
theater and shows with us and stuff like that and and as such is like super into movies and like you know perhaps this was a little bit of a film bro move on his part but he invites my friend and i over for a movie night and i was like oh okay this will be fun and so we go we make cookies or whatever we sit down on the couch and uh the movie that he has selected for us (laughs) this evening uh steven spielberg's schindler's list what (laughs) So the tone of the evening took a drastic turn. And about halfway through this, again, like very long and very heart-wrenching movie, his mom comes home and makes him stop the movie. She was like, what are you doing? What are you showing these girls? And like stops the movie. And then as soon as she goes, uh, I don't remember where we were. I think she went upstairs. As soon as she went upstairs, he put it back on and we finished it. So it's the only time I've ever seen Schindler's List. It's probably the only time I ever will. <laughs> it's just like a very jarring experience. I go from like thinking that I'm going to be like leaving early because again, the tone of the evening was originally that something may happen, but then it he cock-blocked himself. I really <laughs> thought you were going to say they fucked after Schindler's List. no they didn't we went home (laughs) we were in the car we were like well that was weird (laughs) what about you have you uh have you third wheeled before (laughs) um yeah i kind of feel like i've like third wheeled a lot i feel like i'm always in like a trio of friends where like the other two like get together that happened to me in college classically as we all know but I was rooting for that. That was very tender at the time. Um, and I, it's happened to me again <laughs> in my current friend group. But again, very happy about it. <laughs> and I, um, I guess I'll go with the most recent example. But I was watching the Oprah with Megan and Harry interview with my roommate and our friend recently. I guess not recently, like back when it came out. And I was so into it. I was like, guys... This, I'm, like, so enthralled by this. Like, I can't believe that this is happening. Now I'm, like, suddenly obsessed. I, like, can't wait to go down this rabbit hole. And they were like, yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's crazy. And, like, I found out the next day <laughs> that that night they had sex for the first time and, like, had, like, confessed their feelings for each other. And I was like, dude, I was so into Megan and Harry. And they were, like, waiting <laughs> until it was over and I would go to bed so they could, like... <laughs> Have their alone time, and I just, like, had no idea. Like, I had an inkling, but I was like, guys, this is crazy. I can't believe they said that to them. <laughs> that interview was, though, <laughs> enthralling, really. We watched the whole thing. <laughs> so Nick is in a situation where he is supposed to be going on a dinner date with Julia, but she ends up suddenly having a bunch of work. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Julia in this situation. Once again, I'm connecting with this character, this temporary character. But I I know I often feel like, not romantically, but just like sometimes with like commitments with friends and stuff like that, like when I'm in a show or especially when I'm producing something, that will take like such priority over even things like seeing friends or like going to therapy or stuff like that. So I feel like if anything, I've been more of the like ignore or like the over prioritizer in this situation if that makes sense i couldn't like think of a specific like romantic example for this all that to say yeah i guess now that you bring it up i'm probably the same but i did think of a romantic example oh please um, which was just like being in zoom school like i was in 
a relationship like about a year ago at the start of all of this and like you know we'd be hanging out and then all of a sudden like one of us would have class and then it would just be like okay like <laughs> we're like sitting on the bed and like one of us is in class and the other one's like Ooh, like what can I get away with like doing to you while you're like learning or just like being funny and and weird and like taking weird pictures of each other in class and stuff <laughs> yeah that's the only thing I could think of I feel like all college relationships kind of had this to them because like there are deadlines like you, you do have to manage your time better than I probably did <laughs> But I did feel bad for Nick in this situation because he was really going an extra mile and a half and all he had to hang out with was Clark. Or he was, sorry, Clark's the actor, Cliff. <laughs> okay, so Winston ended up at a social gathering that he didn't think that he was going to. It was a girl's night. Yeah, has that ever happened to you? I feel like every time I hang out with Julia, this happens. <laughs> like... <laughs> in a good way but, but I like never really know what I'm walking into um specifically I remember hanging out with her one night it was like a week before um lockdown happened so about a year a little bit over a year ago and I just end up going over to her house like I think I was just dropping something off or like dropping by for something and I ended up staying and we ended up going to this bar and I like was not dressed for it at all I had like this like tool skirt on and they ended up like they made me like they had she had me like borrow a sweater and so I just looked like a witch and she was dressed in, like I don't remember I think she was wearing like this like green like vintage like army get up and then the other girl that was with us was wearing a rainbow pantsuit so <laughs> we were quite the trio but we start walking towards this bar that we've read online has opened a week earlier and has horrible reviews because apparently the bouncer only lets you in if you have quote unquote the look and we were like, we looked at the three of us and we were like, well, one of us has to have the look. <laughs> and so we like sort of teased the ridiculousness out of our, our outfits and walked like the mile and a half that it ended up being through OTR to this bar, which was called Ghost Baby for those curious. Um, and it was a cool bar. It ended up being underground and it was the most expensive old fashioned I've ever had. But we aren't sure who, but one of us did have the look because we were waved ahead down into that. It was like the last time I went out before like all this happened so it's probably not the most eventful thing but it is the thing i remember the most clearly <laughs> you always got to have that one friend that's just down for adventure <laughs> julia is that friend for sure i feel like this always happens to me because i'm like not i'm not good at being like oh i get anxious in social situations I guess the best example is, like, that the, the same relationship that I was just talking about. Like, I always ended up, like, hanging out with all of the roommates, like, a bunch of dudes, which, like, I'm very comfortable doing. Like, you and I both are, like, we've talked about this. Like, the girl who is usually the only girl in, like, the all-male <laughs> friend group. That would, I would just, like, happen to me all the time where I would just be like, oh, I'm, I guess I'm, like, going over to hang out with you. And then I would come over and, like... I'd be like, oh, we're all hanging out. <laughs> I didn't realize that this was happening. That happened to me on a date once. I went to go see this movie with this guy that I really liked. He brought a cousin, which was fun. He was like, oh, I thought we were all just hanging out. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Have you ever been in Cece's position, first of all, where you're with your partner while they're on drugs or like somehow like fucked up and you're sober? But also, have you been in Cece's position where you end up sleeping with someone unexpected? Kyle and I do the same drugs usually, so I've never really been in 
the first situation, but I did end up in the second situation once in high school. So my senior year homecoming, I like group of friends, this is like 12 girls, this is like a big, this is the big grouping of friends. And uh, none of us had homecoming dates. So my friend Sam was like, well, I'll just get all these guys I know from Columbus to come up and take us. And we were like, okay, fine. And so like, I think six of her friends from Columbus came and like me, Jen and her and a couple other girls, like all just like kind of like took pictures together. Ended up with somebody that was not my date. later that night but nobody nobody cared it was like it was like a casual thing so (laughs) that's uh that's the only time that anything like that's ever happened though oh and one time on a canoe trip i ended up making out with somebody which was unexpected because you don't go into a canoe trip with romantic intentions but it happens (laughs) i've definitely i don't think i've ever been with like a romantic partner when they've been like super fucked up and i've been having to like you know tell them not to be racist (laughs) like CCS too but I've definitely been with friends um actually the last time that I went out before COVID was for one of our friends birthdays and he was just like so drunk and like the rest of us were dead sober like I don't really know why we were so sober but we were and we went to this bar and he they had like video games in the back and he was like guys guys they have mortal Kombat. they have mortal Kombat. and the bartender was like hey this is a glass of water give it to your friend and tell him it's a special birthday drink <laughs> and so like, we did and he was like kissing all of us on the mouth like he was just like come here and kiss me <laughs> good times um so i've definitely been in that situation before i'm looking forward to having more nights like that hopefully soon <laughs> yeah so soon. Um, but I I really have never ended up with someone unexpected at the end of the night. I'm too careful. I always know what I'm going to do. I always know what my move is. So do you have other impressions of this episode? Yeah. So we get into some interesting character developments. What, what struck me the most at the top of the episode was Jess acting more like Schmidt. Like we've been talking about all of them sort of embracing like more of Jess's attributes or like the attributes in themselves that like Jess brings out. But like in this episode, I was kind of like she's she was like talking and acting like him. And like when they were bantering, she she's like starting to be more com- like take on their attributes as well, I think. And when she's talking about being like, being twirly at the beginning of this episode, I really got the impression that Schmidt was rubbing off on her. Not in a negative way, just in a way, you know, that someone you spend a lot of time with will. Mm-hmm. I love that she still can't say anything sexual how, for what it actually is. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice euphemism. Feeling twirly. <laughs> um, let me get into some of the guest, guest stars in this episode before we continue. I already mentioned Cliff is played by a guy named Clark. And those of you who have seen The Office all the way through uh, will recognize him as Clark from The Office, where he plays like Dwight's protege or up and coming like character replacement (laughs) he's hilarious in that he um is super funny he's also had bit parts in hot tub time machine kick ass and other tv shows like greek and two and a half men oliver who was the lunch loving guy that jess (laughs) tries to have a one night stand with um was played by a guy named ryan quanton and uh he had other roles and stuff like true blood and a bunch of voice acting um Notably, the Guardians of Gahul, the owl movie. Oh, so yeah. So he was in that. Yeah, oh. he was in that. 
And then his ex was played by Melissa Stevens, who was most recognizable from Key and Peele. Oh, okay. Yes. So they they were a fun trio of guest stars to have in this episode for sure. You did get some other character growth in this episode. I think we like especially with Nick. We kind of learn why he dropped out of law school in this one. I don't know. Um, don't spoil for me if we ever get a more detailed explanation. But he just basically like explains to Clark that he burned out, and then when he was broken up with, he really went on a downward spiral, culminating in him joining a cockfight as himself, no chicken, <laughs> and then he and then he gets scared of the chicken uh, as as any uh, self-respecting person would, <laughs> and ends up bonding with it in the ring at the end of that little <laughs> montage. That was really fun. <laughs> I don't know. Nick is Nick's kind of being a holdout um, as far as backstory goes. I'm curious to see if we get to learn m- more about him. Yeah, I think that this um, the law school and and his sort of backstory might be something to track along with. We talked about tracking the their college story throughout all of this. We might want to like put a pin in this and come back to it as it comes up. That's a good idea. Because I was also confused. I had a couple things written in my notes where I was like, oh, does that mean that? this is true and does that mean that this is true hearing him talk about his law school experience again but i didn't want to spoil anything so i didn't i didn't bring it up but i was yeah i didn't want to spoil anything i'm gonna put a pin in a thought that i have and bring it up at an episode several seasons (laughs) from now that i hope i remember this moment excellent i'm sure we will The other big exciting part of this episode is Schmidt and Cece. Yeah, I was excited to see Schmidt and Cece get together. I'm, I um, am predicting several episodes of shenanigans before everyone else finds out because it's just too much fun having him sneak her around all the time. I hope they don't like find out for a couple more episodes. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. And then Winston. Winston's story is interesting. First he had his job crisis and now he's having kind of a romantic or self crisis of the self. But even though his like the girls night that he had wasn't like the comedic highlight of the episode, I I did really like it because it kind of shows that like not that people can change because I don't know. I don't know if people can change or not. I I don't feel like I'm old enough to really make that kind of a judgment. But it's not so much change, but people can become more of themselves. And I think he's starting to become more of himself. He's not putting on... He says he used to be a bully. He's not putting on this, like, insecure front anymore. He's not, like, trying to be cool anymore. He's just, like, really trying to embrace, like, what makes him him. And part of that is Jess. Part of that is growing up. But I don't know. I really liked the way that he responded to the situation that he found himself in. I think that it illustrated a lot of growth in him already. This being the, like, what, 13th episode? I agree. I I love him in this episode. Um, He's so... He's so funny, and it's also sort of like a peek into the the Winston that is to come, because I feel like right now he's still in sort of like this area where his character is like, is like quirky and funny, but he's still a little bit of the straight man in the group, but he goes completely the other direction in this episode, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying in the future, too, like that he just gets like weirder and weirder, and it's beautiful. Um, Yeah, fun to see. There were some uh, racial implications in this episode that didn't age super well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that the conversation we overhear Julia having on the phone is kind of cringy now. Very cringy now. Yeah, I agree. 
I don't know, like, what even that conversation, like, what were they having a conversation about? Was she just supposed to sound busy? Or, like, was it just, like, kind of just, like, supposed to be a set of shitty Asian jokes? Or, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I couldn't really tell what, I guess, like... (laughs) I was so shocked by, like, the the racism of it that I wasn't really paying attention to what, like, the actual, like, content of the conversation was supposed to be. But, yeah, that was a big yike. There's also Schmidt says something racist. Yes, when um, Cece's trying to make the other girl that he's trying to hook up with originally jealous. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it is he says, but he says something kind of weird. Yeah, there are definitely there are definitely some aspects of this that haven't aged well, and I think it's important for us to keep bringing that up. And they're small, but they're worth noting. And like Cece's always there to defend herself, but like the character that we we heard on the phone like wasn't. So we only got to hear like the butt of the joke, which was the racism in that in that point. Yeah. Because we do have Cece call out her boyfriend for being racist later on. And that, I mean, that's a great moment. But I don't know. Then there's there's these two other, like, completely separate instances that just, like, sort of get just brushed by earlier in the episode. It's interesting in some ways. I think we've, like, talked about this before. But the ways in which this show has aged, like, incredibly well. And the ways in which it has obviously not. And it's interesting that, like, those ideas keep coming up that sometimes there will be something like very progressive that happens like schmidt defending himself against sexual harassment and then like there will be other things that happen like (laughs) schmidt saying something racist to cc or julia saying something racist to that guy on the phone that you're like oh oh i forgot but i think it's good that we can look back like not only with like a critical eye or like a modern sensibility but just like learn from like Oh, you know, the first time I did watch this when I was a senior in high school, I didn't catch that. And now that I do, I can, like, go forward and not either put that stuff out in the world or, like, we're producers, we're creators. Like, we can be aware of, like, microaggressions in our own work or in the work of others around us. Like, I think if as long as we're, like, consciously learning from it. I I think as long as we're conscious, you know, of how we're receiving something like this. In what is, you know, not a critical piece. We're making this a very critical piece. It's a sitcom, but <laughs> it's still something that we <laughs> we want to be culturally aware of. Yeah. we're It's all for fun. Like, we do this for fun. We aren't getting paid to do this. And, like... Not yet. But, like, you can't... Not yet, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know. I think that, like, just leaning into the fun of it and ignoring the bits of it that are a little more complicated or messy or don't fit cleanly into our view of this is, like, a very wholesome and, like, show that is fun for everyone. Then, like, we're, you know, what's the point of that? Everyone loves this show. We can say something critical <laughs> every once in a while. Uh, shall we talk episode 14, Bully? I think think so what was your science fair project in school i can't remember any like thing that i made for school if i'm being perfectly honest like the school that i went to didn't ever have like a science fair it was just like class projects i do remember just doing weird experiments of my own design like trying to make my own perfume or trying to make bread out of this grass that I thought that looked like wheat in the woods. <laughs> like, just, But I never like made a foam volcano or anything like that, which is kind of sad, so. Wow, well, I'm gonna talk, well, ever since the bird incident at our, the many bird incidents at our old house, I've hated birds, but before that I used to love birds. 
And so my science fair project was about how birds fly. How do they fly? Um, it's like something about the way that like their wing is shaped that like lets hmm. that like a perfect amount of air like flow beneath and above and like I don't know. I knew something about the flapping, but I was in the fourth grade, so I don't really remember. Um so we see villain Jess in this. <laughs> yeah, but the kid was also kind of a brat. The kid was a brat, yeah. Just breaks the arm, the robot arm. I definitely have been there. Just like, not not like broken somebody else's things, but like, like just like broken something and then been like, why did I do that? Like a second later, like my glasses or my old laptop. Yeah, I find it very relatable when she's just like so mad and grabs <sighs> it and like, just is like, oh no, no, no. It's an undoable act. <laughs> I feel like what made part of this episode so good that part of this episode so good was that the girl playing Brianna was Joey King. And she's a lot more recognizable now than she was back then, but she is a very good actress. People listening will recognize her name, but she she was big in Ramona and Beezus with Selena Gomez. She was in the Kissing Booth franchise on Netflix. Um, and she got uh, a lot of critical accolades for her performance as Gypsy Road Blanchard um, in the fictional adaptation of that story, The Act which is on Hulu. And she's about to be in a movie called Bullet Train, which is, uh, she's playing Brad Pitt's daughter, and it's a remake of the Korean horror movie Train to Busan. Oh. Um, so she's really staying booked. <laughs> but I feel like her really selling that, like, mean, like, she's like, I think your happiness is a mask, like, <laughs> and then gets up and leaves. <laughs> like, she, she really made this episode pop, I think. Yeah, I agree. Between her and the uh, the other little kid, the kid who plays Nathaniel, who's just so cute. And, like, this girl, like, I, I do recognize her from all of this stuff. And, like, I was, I'd always love her and things. Oh, she's great. But her just being, like, so mean that you're like, oh, God, I hate you. <laughs> Such a delightful contrast between those two characters. And, yeah, really get an eye into, like, the what Jess has to deal with from day to day in a in a very fun way um and then the moms are played by roxana ortega who's a sound designer she actually doesn't have many other acting credits and tressa d figlia who is also on weeds i didn't look up the name of the other little boy which i feel bad about now because i also thought he was adorable <laughs> check back next week for his name and life story yes <laughs> Wow, what a delightful kid. So the other big storyline in this episode was that Nick gets a cactus from Julia. And he interprets that as a sign that they're going to break up. And I just want to know how we're feeling about the cactus and whether or not it is a valid sign of breakup. <laughs> I am of the belief that anything can be a sign for anything if you're looking for it. Mm. So I think he probably already had an inkling. I don't know if it was like her kind of limiting communication or trying to back out or what. Maybe she didn't know, but he kind of could feel her pulling away. I don't know. I think, though, that it was a valid like symbol for what he probably sensed was there. That we that was like off screen. We wouldn't have any way to know that. But yeah. Ooh, I, I love that idea. Now I'm like... Ooh, is it a sign? What am I seeing as a sign that I just want to see as a sign? 
that'll be an existential crisis later but i love this episode because i remember watching this episode with my mom when it came out and then i remember watching it again with my mom last summer when i was living at home and my parents have this story (laughs) about when they were young and dating where my dad gave my mom a cactus as a gift for like her birthday or something where he like should have gotten her something nice and my mom (laughs) brings it up all the time and is like I can't (laughs) believe your father gave me a cactus and so she loves this episode because she thinks it's so funny that Nick is like oh the cactus is the kiss of death she was like that's literally what I thought so what we're learning is don't give your lover a cactus (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly well so this is the end of julia and nick i think you pretty accurately predicted that she would last for like i think you said two or three more and you were right yeah nice i think it was time though it seemed like their connection had run its course although i did think they had really nice chemistry together i was sad to see the actress go the character it was probably time I think she needs something different than what Nick could give her, and vice versa. And the cactus proves it, I think. Nick needs somebody that's, like, not trying to change him. Mm. And that's why I love at the end when Jess gives him the plant. Yes. And he's like, I'm gonna kill it, and she's like, I know. Well, I have some... So Julia and uh, my friend from work have gotten me really into plants, And so I was actually able to recognize the type of plant that she gives him. And it is because it is a type of plant that Julia gave to me because it's apparently very difficult to kill. Um, It's called a pothos, but they're apparently very hard to kill. So he might not end up killing it, actually. (laughs) I don't know if that was intentional or if it was just a plant that they had around, but it was a nice little detail. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk episode 15 injured the beginning of this episode made me feel like shit because i was always the person as a child that played too rough like whether it was like with nerf guns or like with my siblings or whatever i just i was always the person that was responsible for injury and so i felt so bad just like (laughs) retroactively for like all the times i like nailed my cousin nick in the face with a pine cone or like (laughs) (laughs) i kicked my brother off a swing literally Kicked my brother off a swing set once. I was just, I was monster. I don't know why anyone wanted to hang out with me. <laughs> they didn't actually, so that explains it. That's surprising. Really? It doesn't surprise yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also love that the the whole premise of this episode is literally just like looked it up on WebMD and now I think I'm gonna die because we've all been there oh yeah I wrote or I or I looked it up on WebMD and I think I'm pregnant (laughs) (laughs) yes or my the what I think summed that up the best was when like she showed him her phone and it just said warning death (laughs) (laughs) what website are you on (laughs) some excellent prop design the prop design was incredible have you ever been as attached to anything as winston is to his car i get really attached to clothing specifically shoes the shoes that i'm currently wearing i don't have that many pairs of shoes i don't like to buy shoes so when i find a pair that i really like 
I will literally wear it till there are holes in the bottom. Like, I was always wearing combat boots in high school that had, like, a heel that was, like, flapping off or, like, just busted. Like, the, my work shoes currently, I won't buy new ones. They're just, bu- like, my toe is busted through. Like, it's just, I won't get rid of them, though. They've carried me through so much. <laughs> Or, like, if I've been somewhere, the shoes that I took to Europe with me, I'm like, well, I can't get rid of those. Like, they've been so many places. Like, I anthropomorphize, like, too much. So, for sure, clothes. But that's the only thing that really comes to mind. In the same way that Winston's attached to the car, anyways. I'm, I'm at- I have earthly attachments. But... <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to, I was really trying to think about this and like, I, I really like couldn't come up with anything. I guess I'm not very sentimental about objects that don't intrinsically have like sentimental value. I like force sentiment on things. So it's like not a great way to live. (laughs) That might be a blessing for you. (laughs) (laughs) I used to not be like that. When I was a kid, I would literally like think that I was going to like miss everything that I came into contact with like it was gonna like hurt me to lose it it's like if I ate an apple I would leave the apple core just like sitting out on the table because I was like what if I throw it away and I miss it because it was my friend and my parents would be like why the fuck are you leaving apple cores everywhere so do you remember back in the 90s buffalo wild wings like their kids meal came with those smiley face fries right like they were like round and they had like yes. the little yeah you remember those there was like mm-hmm. totally processed like potatoes i got so sad and this was when i was like second grade so i was like way too old to be doing this i got so sad about eating the smiley faces that i just kept them all like in a napkin like at the restaurant and i like took them home and like put them under my bed and i just left them there for like months and my mom like <laughs> found them like six months later she holds up this like mossy ball of, of decomposed smiley face fries and it's like what is this i was like i'm sorry but you know you you, you're a kid you get attached yeah this episode though had like a lot of moments in it it was it was kind of like the christmas one in like the they all came together at the end for a much needed show of friendship There was a moment between Nick and Winston in this episode that I wanted to talk about. So, like, our tagline, like, on all our media is, like, the show that you should have been watching all quarantine and, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, But this this episode really kind of reminded me, like, why we came up with that idea. And so Nick has just had his big outburst. He runs into the water and it's cold and he realizes that, like, his life is sort of spiraled out of control in the course of, like, 12 hours. And sort of blows up and he goes up and sits on the beach. And so Cece and uh, Schmidt kind of break off and Jess is, I don't know where Jess is. And Winston just walks up and takes his jacket off and puts it on Nick's shoulders and just walks away. Um, I was so touched by that. Like, I don't know. Um, it's really hard to not have your friends around you when you need somebody to put you, put a jacket around your shoulders, you know. And so watching this, you're, like, glad that, you know, this character has this, like, support group and you kind of can remind yourself of, like, the support that you have in your life, no matter how close or far away it might be. Um, The pandemic makes everything feel far away, but it's just, you know, they're friends. They care about each other. It's just they care about each other in the right way. It's nice to see. Yeah, I definitely, like, the reason why I would watch this so much really starting with during the pandemic and like rewatch and rewatch over and over again and I think like 
at a certain point, I was like, oh, this is getting unhealthy. But then to hear you put it that way, I'm like, oh, maybe, like, there is something healthy about it <laughs> that, you know, when, when you know, you can't be there to lay with me on the beach all night after I have a br- mental breakdown or Micah can't be there to put his jacket around my shoulders and tell me he won't be my valentine um, <laughs> that i i can like it's all like an escape to a world where like people get to have that and people that are are like my friends in so many ways and people that are like me in so many ways are living out this world where they're just like basking in that closeness is i think why it's so good to watch right now and because it's funny it doesn't always make you sad about that but i think this episode really does make you make you really sad about it i couldn't help but to think of like all those like moments in shows and in about stuff that was in shows and about stuff that wasn't but like where one of us has a meltdown you know like you know like what one of us is like we're all stressed about like you know whatever production we're trying to put on or whatever's like going on in our lives school and and at the end of the day we were always just all sitting there at marion together and we kind of got that to get us through so i don't know this is nice to remember that on a lighter note but still about friendship um we had a nice tie-in with this episode where schmidt finally got to see nick's penis (laughs) he's gonna show his penis to the ocean and not me (laughs) i just love that call back that it's been like what what that was episode like yeah it's been months and really years since (laughs) smith won't let this go (laughs) there was also a moment between jess and nick that i think we should talk about real quick before we move on to character moments and he looks up at her and he goes you don't know how to be real and i think that that paired with what brianna said to her in the last episode granted in a much funnier tone your happiness is a mask i think we're gonna about to get into sort of what's underneath jess's not facade but jess's like coping mechanism of being an overtly positive person because it seems like the people around her are starting to get to what might be underneath that as well um and i thought that was just like a, a very lucid moment from somebody a character that's probably the least willing to talk about their feelings yeah you want to move on to favorite character moments? You took all of mine. I was so pissed. I, I watched these episodes. So for context, listeners, I watched these episodes this morning. I went to work for eight hours. About a third of the way through my shift, Ellie texted me. She's like, oh, the outline's done. Like, And I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I wrote down so many character quotes. And I went to go in and every single one that you picked was the one that I picked. So we have the same sense of humor, but. <laughs> because we both have excellent taste. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but don't worry. I picked some good alternates so that we can have maximum laughs. So <laughs> next time I'll let you get first dibs. I've seen this so many times. It's not fair that I write them in first. I should wait for you to do it. On the next set, I'll I'll go first. Watch the next set be like have no no quotes like last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what was your favorite Jess moment? When Cece goes, oh, you would, again, speaking of, Cece goes, you would have an emotional attachment to one shoe on the side of the road. And Jess goes, oh, one shoe? I hate that. 
she like gets really sad about the theoretical one shoe about the side of the road it's like oh god <laughs> my favorite was when they're i think it was was in the episode 15 but where they're like oh like schmidt's been bringing a girl home but none of them know it's cc and they're all like theorizing about like what she might be like and like kind of teasing him a little bit and just at the end goes hitler mustache and then everyone just like stops and she's like oh i just like to banter with you guys in the morning and i panicked and made a hitler joke (laughs) which is the quote that i originally wrote down because that's what i feel like every time i do improv with you guys (laughs) it made me think of that um Kyle Mooney SNL skit where it's like he's the guy that kills the bit, <laughs> kills the bit, kills the bit. <laughs> and then halfway through, he's like, "Yeah, I'm the guy that nailed the bit, <laughs> nailed the bit." <laughs> but just did not nail the bit. But no, it was funny as hell. <laughs> um, what was your favorite Schmidt moment? Where he sees Jess with the giant box of condoms, which is not as funny now that you can order condoms through Amazon and it makes more sense to buy the giant box, just like financially. But back then, that was a very large box of condoms. And he goes, Jess, that's too many. A normal man can maybe go three times a night if he's had enough salmon. <laughs> and I, forgive my naivety, but I don't know what that has to do. <laughs> I don't know what salmon specifically would have to do with that, but... I don't either, but I love it. (laughs) But his book list, which you've written down, was also... (laughs) Yeah, my favorite is when Schmidt makes some comparison to the 10,000 hours thing, which is from Outliers um, by Malcolm Gladwell. A great book. Um, But then he's like, it's one of my Desert Island books, along with Machiavelli's The Prince. Freak by John Leguizamo and any of the scripts from the first season of Vampire Diaries. Oh no, you forgot one. He also puts the Phantom Tollbooth on there. Oh yes! Because Cece goes, I love the Phantom Tollbooth and he goes, of course you do, you're a human being. (laughs) I did forget that! Oh my god. That's how I know that like a writer wrote this script. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, like sitcom writers like have such a good grasp on what normal life is like for normal people who like aren't artists. But then I was reading this and I was like, or I was watching it and then I like looked it up again because I was like, I want to know exactly what he said. I was like, no civilian is putting freak by John Leguizamo on there. Desert Island books. Like, that was an Easter egg for theater people and film people. <laughs> That's great. Um, favorite Nick moment? It was him pouring the beer into the cactus while he's on the phone with Julia. I promise I'm not high right now. <laughs> he hangs up. If you put me in the desert, I'll grow some needles too. Oh, him leaving all those voicemails. Like, if you, I've, I have been the double texter a lot, so that was, was very real. Uh, what about Winston? Well, my favorite from Winston was, first of all, just him being like, I used to be a bully. And then it, like, first of all, just that sentence. And then it flashes to him as a bully. And he, like, twists that guy's nipples or that kid's nipples. And he goes, brown lightning. And Jess is like, you had a catchphrase? (laughs) And then he calls himself that later in the episode when he goes and yells at Brianna's moms. (laughs) 
Um, what was yours? Mine was from when they're bantering about Schmidt bringing a girl home, and Winston's like, oh, I like to pretend like I'm your lover on the down low. <laughs> and then he starts putting on an accent. He's like, in our bed, <laughs> where we shave each other. <laughs> Did you know that he improved that character? No, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> and Theodore K. Mullins does come back. I will spoil that. Oh, good. I can't wait. So he he improved it in this episode, and then the writers were like, no, that was really funny. (laughs) Favorite CC moment. Where he's, like, reciting different cheese puns, and she's like, why is this working? (laughs) Because it's like, I have, I predict, I predict that they will be sort of an on and off thing. And, like, those are, like, the kinds of, like, inside jokes that you, like, start to establish with somebody that you, like, really connect with. And it just seemed, like, very real. She's like, why is this working? Like, <laughs> he's just making these awful cheese jokes. Like, mine is when I, I really, I don't. What is? I guess we don't have to say it, but I don't remember what her boyfriend says. That is racist. But she's walking away, <laughs> and so you don't see, see her. Like, you just hear him say whatever he says, and she, and then you just hear her voice from a distance go, "That's racist, Kyle." <laughs> Because he's swinging on his stomach on a swing. Yeah, awful. Um, do you have any other favorite moments? Um, no, I, I think that was... We probably covered everything <laughs> that I wanted to... T- except for what you wrote down here, which is also <laughs> worth worth mentioning. I, I couldn't decide if this was best for Winston or Jess, so I just went with this category but schmidt and cc are trying to figure out a way to get into the loft while hiding cc and schmidt calls them and says there's a crescent moon out tonight and jess is like schmidt says there's a crescent moon out tonight we have to look (laughs) and then they run to the window and it's this perfect shot of just like both of their faces and they're just staring at it in wonder and then winston goes I'm going to live up there one day. And Jess is like, <laughs> just gives him this like very confused but encouraging look. And then she's like, why do we care if it's a crescent moon? <laughs> Who had the best moments? Boy, is it cheating to say the friend group? <laughs> like when they're all gathered around the piano. Like, I feel like as a friend group, we should gather around a piano more. Just like 2% more. <laughs> There's too much gathering around a piano, but like we could do it 2% more. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. I just that whole episode and their whole like their developing dynamic is like, okay, we can see that this is now like a group of friends. Like, I think that's probably who won this set of episodes as an entity, at least. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. And now I feel bad if I pick one person. Um, oh, This is hard. It was too hard for me to choose. That's why I went with that. <laughs> I feel like if Cece was gonna win anytime I feel like this is her time because I think she's like really coming into her own as a character that is as fleshed out as the other characters I think she has some really funny moments in these few episodes and like I just like love Cece and I want to show her some love and I was just thinking about just like you're right like that whole bit with her and Schmidt where she's like oh the cheese is working and (laughs) their chemistry together and the way that she like vacillates between being like so funny but also like very dry and but then we'll just like rap with them and I, I was a big fan of her in these episodes she goes up to Nick and she's like he's she's like so I heard and he goes yeah she goes vodka soda and he goes thank you so much it means that she's like vodka soda (laughs) Um, predictions? 
predictions. Well, I already predicted that I think Schmidt and Cece are going to be sort of on and off. I hope they hide it for a little bit longer from the rest of the group. I'm going to predict that things don't work out with Shelby and Winston because it just doesn't seem like they've spent like a ton of time on her character to make her recurring. But we'll see what happens there. I don't think Julia will be back. Like, I don't think they'll bring her back as like an ex or anything. Jury's still out on Nick and Jess as far as the timeline goes. I used I thought I had a good gauge on that. No, I don't. So we'll see. <laughs> well, um, what else are you reading, watching, listening to? Well, the Oscars are Sunday. So our next one, we'll have to talk about all our Oscar movies. I have to admit, though, I'm not doing great this year. Hi. Same haven't watched all of the nominees for best picture and i usually try to make that a priority i did watch minari uh recently which is the a24 movie starring steven yun um that was really good that was very lyrical and it had a lot less of a sad ending than i thought they were moving towards um which is good and i've also been watching this tv show that i only just started watching and i know i've ranted and raved to you about it already but uh pen 15 on hulu I've only seen the first five episodes. Kyle introduced me to it, but I'm I'm hooked. They these are, they're so funny. I'm sure that those of you listening are familiar with it. But basically, two adult women play versions of themselves in middle school to highly comedic effect. Um, it's amazing. I'm usually not into like cringe, you know, nostalgia. Like when talking about like middle school or high school. Like I I'm not, I never really was really into Big Mouth. I don't know if this was just like true to my experience, but I'm very into it. So. Those are my recommendations for the week. I've been doing a lot of reading recently, not a lot of watching. I'm also very behind on Oscar stuff. But I just read a novel, On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous, by Ocean Vuong. It's a semi-autobiographical novel that is a letter to his mother that was just stunning like he's a poet so it's all very like poetic and like almost stream of consciousness and all these like beautiful stories about being queer and like his experience as a Vietnamese American and everything that comes with that was just like stunning so I would definitely recommend that I also am almost finished reading Patti Smith's memoir about um, Robert Maplethorpe Just Kids also stunning. I love it so Just much. Kids is awesome. It's so good. I love Patty. Um, and I didn't think that like I would find it as relatable as I do. So that's been kind of refreshing. I thought I was gonna like get this peek into like her world, and like I'm obviously getting that, but I have been like like there will be like passages where I'm like, oh, oh, Patty, you get it. Like. <laughs> beautiful and obviously i have been listening to fearless taylor's version on repeat (laughs) because i contain multitudes and i can be a (laughs) fan of patty smith and taylor swift (laughs) so yeah those are my recommendations i'm definitely gonna read that what was it called again uh on earth we're briefly gorgeous i added that to the amazon uh wish list there (laughs) that sounds awesome if you have audible there's an audio uh, audible recording of him reading it i listened to some and read some uh well everybody thanks for tuning in thanks for listening (laughs) we will be back next time talking about episodes 16 17 and 18 season one So catch those before two Mondays from now. (laughs) This has been Not Another New Girl podcast. Theme music by Hannah Scambalone and editing by Ellie Kniff. Bye. Bye.